Hi everyone, Jason here. On May the 14th, Stephen and myself will be appearing with the one and only Mark Lewison at the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary, Dublin. We're going to be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night and we would love you to join us. For tickets, go to paviliontheatre.ie or nothingisrealpod.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Nothing Is Real, a podcast about the Beatles. Everybody thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do we really know? My name is Jason Carty. My name is Stephen Cockcroft. And this time around, we are going to talk about Beatle books, books about the Beatles. This is an extra podcast that we're going to give you because some of you may be going away on holidays, maybe to a cottage in the Isle of Wight. If it's not too dear. Exactly. That's a Beatle reference there. And so, uh, Stephen, you've got a large collection of Beatle books. I have one or two books. Exactly. So we are going to try and give you some choices that might help you uh, read your Beatle books by the pool this summer. Stephen, I think it goes without saying that you are the person I know with more Beatle books than anybody else. I think that's my claim to fame. I'm happy to uh, to accept that title. Okay, fair enough. And uh, so in, in the preamble to this, uh, I gave Stephen a list of headings um, and asked him to kind of go into his Beatle library and choose the, head, the books that he thought would match the headings. So we're going to look at best overall biography. That's got nothing to do with Mark Lewison. We're going to go with best factual research book. Best Beatle book with an arcane topic, best book about a solo Beatle, best book by a Beatle, and the Beatle book to avoid at all costs. But Stephen, can I ask you, your foray into Beatle literature, did it begin when you're a Beatles fan or years after you were a Beatles fan or what did you do? It began, I think, when I was at school. So I was maybe 13, 14 years old. Uh, the first book I can remember buying is by a chap called George Tremlett, yeah. um, who I think has probably written more books <laughs> than anybody else. Um, he seemed to sort of churn out the Paul McCartney story, the John Lennon story, right. the David Bowie story. Um, th- that was the first book I picked up when I would have been about 14, 15, little paperback so these, book. So yeah, these are kind of 70s kind of... 70s, yeah. Uh, yeah pulp fiction I have to say, things. yeah, sort of Pulp Fiction, kind of trashy, cheap cover, yeah. give you the basic story. Um, uh, and that, that really is what piqued my interest. So that's the first book, a book which I lost somewhere along the way Mm -hmm. and recently rebought for 10p. Well, nothing goes missing these days. Nothing goes missing these days. eBay and bring it back to to life. And is that, so are you reading about the Beatles in parallel with listening to the Beatles at the same time or? Yes, Mm. very much. I I, I discovered the Beatles uh, off the back of a collection of oldies. Yeah. Um, So I was buying my way into the the, the catalogue yes. while reading that book and then that took me on to another book and another book. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a gateway drug. It's a gateway drug. Once you get drug. started. Yeah. Um, now, it is a huge... Uh, I mean, when we were kind of preparing for this, there, there, there are so many books about the Beatles and Stephen has even put a book in front of me today by Aaron Torkelson Weber, which is The Beatles and the Historians, which is a book about books about the Beatles. You can never have too many books about books about the Beatles. And what does this book about books about the Beatles uh, <laughs> tell us that we don't know already? Well, it's um, it, it's actually, it goes beyond books uh, yeah. and it talks really about the 
sort of uh, historical development of the Beatles story about how they perpetuated the official narrative. Yes. When that started to change, um, the, the, the competing narratives from John and Paul in the early 70s, the anthology and post-anthology. Yes. And McCartney sort of trying to re- reclaim the legacy. And she also looks, which is, is I think, a very pertinent uh, aspect is the bias, the inherent bias of one particular author or another mm-hmm. author that one is a Paul fan, the other is a John fan. No one's much of a Ringo fan writing these <laughs> books, but um, and, and how that bias uh, sort of you lose historical objectivity. Yes. And she's coming at it very much as an historian. And there's probably when you talk about books about the Beatles, there are, there are two kind of elephants in the room that I think we'll talk about briefly and then put aside maybe for another day. One is Ian MacDonald's Revolution in the Head book, yep. which everybody loves. Do you love Revolution I in the Head? I love Revolution in the Head. Um, I don't think no. it's as great as everybody thinks it is. I think it was such a refreshing take yeah. uh, because it's a, for people that don't know it, it's a breakdown song by song of the background to the the composition, the recording, uh, puts everything in a sort of cultural uh, context as mm. well. So, I mean, I mean, it was just such a comprehensive, uh, in-depth look at song by song. Um, it's still a book that I... If I go on holiday, I take a copy of the paperback <laughs> with me. Just in uh, case. Just in case just I need to case. look something up. Yeah, I, I found the it, it's slightly more opinionated. It sort of sells itself as a factual book, and then there's an awful lot of opinion in it as well, yeah. which is probably where I, I, I kind of... Maybe that surprised me when I read it first. And then the other elephant in the room is Mark Lewison, and obviously I'm assuming if people are listening to this podcast, they know who Mark Lewison is, but if you don't, he's probably the... Is it fair to say the eminent Beatle historical scholar of our time? He is. I think he's carved out that uh, yes. that niche. Yeah. And if he didn't exist, we'd have to invent him. But I think as as fans, we've a lot to thank Mark Lewison for. And he's almost he's almost kind of formed a, a style of book by himself, starting off with his very factual eighties books. Yes, I mean he he started off with the the recording sessions. Really, is the book that. Most people, most Beatles fans would know him. There, there are actually quite a few books. The Beatles Day by Day. That was my first. Um, book. The Beatles. There's a sort of a diary. There, there's various editions of that. Uh, but, but really, there, there's a sort of forensic approach. Yeah. Um, where if there's anything that you want to know about the recording session, uh, he will have it in a book somewhere. Yes. And he's also, I think, one of the few people, perhaps the only person that's had access to every single note. Uh, committed to tape by the Beatles. Yes, and he spent a number of years inside the Beatles slash Apple camp mm. before being uh, unceremoniously um, removed. Yes, probably at the Harrison camp uh, insistence. It's not. That's not. A, that's an open secret. I, it's open. I think that's. I think he 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 would say that it was really George. There was an unfortunate uh, uh, incident where, where he uh, having got approval uh, to do an interview with a journalist. Uh, the, the interview then turned out to be less about Mark Lewis and more about uh, sort of the anthology project and, and, and what was hidden in the vaults. And that was seen as a breach of trust, I suppose. Mm. Um, McCartney, I think, very much in his camp. Um, but yeah, I think Harrison. And uh, Lewison, of course, has published the first of what he says are going to be three volumes of uh, kind of the ultimate Beatle historical biography. So Tune In came out, was it 2014? That came out? 2014. And... Um, you know, volumes two and three are due to follow, but tune in, which is a, in its expanded edition is 2000 word, 2000 pages that covers up to the release of the first Beatles single. It's detailed. It's very detailed. And it's a fantastic book. It is a fantastic book, but perhaps not 
the book to start if you're new to the... Yes. But it is, I think, the last word. Yes, it's designed to go on a shelf and be the one that's definitive for for many years to come. So uh, poor Mark Lewison is active on Twitter and people just constantly harangue him, when's the next volume? And he realises it's it's his life's work and it's going to take it. I think he, it takes. Yeah, I think he said at the time seven years. He was going to publish them at seven year intervals. Yeah. So TikTok, TikTok, it's mm. due. I mean, I'm I'm concerned I'm not going to make it <laughs> to get to get volume three. It gives it gives you something to hang on. Can for I say, though, isn't it? Volume volume <laughs> volume three will come out when I'm sixty four. Really? You see what I did there? There you go. So it's all part of a plan. It's all yeah. it makes sense. So. As I said, I've tapped Stephen uh, on his huge knowledge to, to look at some headings for, for Beatle books. So let's start with number one, which is best overall Beatle biography, open brackets, non-Mark Lewis and close <laughs> brackets. Uh, where, which ones would you uh, highlight or recommend? OK, uh, well, there, 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 are, there are quite a few. Um, the, the, the first one that was the authorised biography by Hunter Davies. Mm-hmm. Um, really only goes up to about 1968. Um, the first all-round biography that I'm aware of is the Philip Norman Shout, which came uh, after Lennon's death. He began writing it in the late 70s, but it came out. Um, and at the time, it was very much regarded as you know, a new style of, of rock journalism, a rock mm. biography. It's kind of hard to believe now that there's like a whole, the 70s didn't have any yeah. kind of definitive Beatle book y- statement. Yeah. I mean, there were little sort of scraps to say that George Tramlett book I mentioned, there were books that dealt with uh, sort of individual uh, records and things like that, but but no sort of all-encompassing biography. That said, I think the reputation of Shout by Philip Norman has diminished mm-hmm. uh, quite a lot in recent years. And we'll be kind of touch on that a little bit later. There are quite a few contenders, but the book that I would say is uh, Can't Buy Me Love by Jonathan Gould. Yes. Um, and I think that because it's written from the point of view, he's, he's an author, but he's also a, mu- a musician. So he's looking at different aspects. He's looking at the uh, sort of the, the biographical, the chronology, but he's also bringing a, a sort of musical critique uh, to what they're doing. Um, it's a book I've read once or twice, not read it in the last couple of years, but it's certainly the one that I would recommend people go to. And I have to admit, this is a book I've had on my shelves. It, was, it came out in 2007, I think. And yep. I was given it as a present and it sat on my shelves ever since. And I didn't read it until two weeks ago. You told me <laughs> you should really have a look at that book uh, because sometimes I feel well, like I kind of know the story. And it is it's I think it's about 700 pages. I checked yesterday. It's on Amazon. It's, it seems to be out of print, but it, you can download for Kindle for four pounds. And um, it is a super read. It's really, really good. And it, it, it touches, it gives you all the biographical details in terms of this was their mom and this was their dad and this was yep. their mind. And, all, and then they released the records in this order. But yeah, it plugs into, it, it's very strong on what was happening culturally around the Beatles as they were growing up and when they were the Beatles. That's that's what I like about it. Yeah. And that, that, that's where I, I think distinguishes it from the Philip Norman book, which was really the big biography that, that, uh, preceded it. Uh, this, I think, almost is a challenge to, to the Philip Norman book, which was very biased, very opinionated. Um, this book uh, really gives almost equal billing to all four of the Beatles. Mm. Um, it recognises, obviously, the importance of John and Paul as the songwriters, but um, it's the start, I think, of the kind of pivot away from the Beatles' role about John Lennon, yes. which, which really followed his death in, in, in December 1980. And I think this is the book that, you know, 20... 20 Six, 27 years later, before you start pivoting away from that, that narrative that John 
was the Beatles to mm. all intents and purposes. Um, there's not a lot of new interviews in this book, but he works very well with the existing sources. Yes, that's true. There's a lot of, he, he, he actually tells it in a very narrative fashion and there's not a lot of, you know, we cut to Patty Boyd and she said this. Yeah. It's very much, you know, uh, telling us what's happened and what's happening around them. But he, he really, he, he's he's basically a great writer, which is obviously I, I, a really important I, I thing gonna, when you're reading I, a book. I was going to say, <laughs> he is a fantastic writer. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the books, uh, you know, the Philip Norman, uh, Ray Coleman, they're journalists, they write like journalists. Yes. This, this guy has a very nice writing style. It's a very engaging style and it's a very well-written book. Okay, so Can't Buy Me Love by Jonathan Gould is the best all-around biography. Uh, any others on the shortlist? I know you were talking about Peter Brown's yeah, book Peter, earlier. <laughs> Peter Brown, uh, he, had a, he has a book, uh, The Love You Make. Mm. He, he, for those who don't know, Peter Brown was sort of inside the Apple organisation. He is named um, on The Ballad of John and Yoko. Peter Brown called to say, "You can make it okay. You can get married in Gibraltar, in your Spain." So he's 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 a lyric. He is as well a, lyric. As a man. He is a lyric, and he's it's still the, a, he's still alive. He's still alive. He's still yeah. around. He's the. This is the only book written by a lyric. Is what you're saying. <laughs> um, yes. But yeah, he he wrote this book. Um, it's it's a good read. Mm. It's a slightly salacious read. Uh, he he's dishing the dirt slightly, um, well more than slightly, um, on the inside uh, story. Um, did not go down well with McCartney. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think McCartney tells a story where he and Linda, having, I think, cooperated to a degree in knowing that the book was coming out, he did, yeah. received a copy of the book. And uh, I think as Linda said, they burnt <laughs> their copy of the book. Um, so I couldn't recommend it. For A little bit self-serving, you know, yes. he puts himself at the centre of things. But um, I think almost anybody that has entered the Beatles' orbit in in you know, at any point in their career has written a book. Yes. And it, obviously it's written from their perspective. I haven't, I, I read that book about 30 years ago when I was surprised to find it in my local library and I was like, oh, a big book about the Beatles. And yeah, I do remember it, it's probably, it's kind of the book that, if, I'm, if I recall rightly, opens up things about, you know, their behaviour in Hamburg and, yeah. and, and kind of gets into the whole drugs and yes. hanging out with prostitutes and all that kind of yeah. stuff that perhaps hadn't been driven home previously. Yes, and I think it also, uh, you know, the individual Beatles don't come out of it particularly well, so they sort of highlight McCartney's character traits, uh, you know, and it, again, it buys into that narrative that McCartney was the pushy one, McCartney was mm -hmm. uh, the one that the source of friction. Um, so I can understand why McCartney didn't like it. Um, it's it's an interesting read. Yes. Um, but in terms of historical accuracy i'm not sure that i would uh, uh, i would entirely <laughs> recommend, recommend it as a starter okay yeah. so can't buy me love by jonathan gould get it on your on your kindles or wherever you get your books um okay best factual kind of research based beetle book okay i know we said uh, we mentioned mark lewison and tune in and you mentioned his earlier book the recording sessions yeah. and i i, I it, still find it hard to go past that. Yeah. Um, uh, just for factual information, say this is this is a man that has heard everything that they ever recorded. He's painstakingly gone through every tape. Uh, you know, if you want to know what instrument was being played, if you want to know where they were on a particular day, this is this is the book. Yeah. Um, that was a pivotal book for me personally because mm. I got it when it came out. I was a teenager and I didn't even have a quarter of the Beatles albums, but I read this book and it just seemed, it actually fed into me going off and listening to the albums in a certain order. Yeah. And it's, it's an amazing book. And, and the fun part is, um, you know, like up until 1966 doesn't take up that many pages. And then after 1966, there's obviously pages and pages and pages of, of information. And it's, 
it's yeah i i've dipped into it now for over 30 years it's extraordinary still it is and i i think that's that's the phrase it's a book to dip into it's mm. not a book to sit down and read all the way through from cover to cover but it's ideal if you're listening to the records uh you want to know who's playing the guitar on a particular track or you, you know uh what instrument they're using this is this is the book and this is kind of something we we, we mentioned just at the top of this podcast is it, it you know it, it it defined a type of book didn't exist like that before to my knowledge no and there's now similar books for other bands, Kings and Stones and all that kind of stuff. Here's their day by day recording studio diary. So he, yes. he created a whole niche. And I know he has said in the years recently that since he's been re- re- revising for the uh, biography that he feels the recording sessions book is way out of date and he wants to rewrite it and there's loads of mistakes in it and all this kind of thing. I think I think that's the, the, the thing he's, he's also said, tune in, there are things he, he, he wants to change. And I think that it's it's testament to the depth of research yeah. that, that he's constantly churning up new things. So you think he's produced a definitive work. He he thinks he's produced a definitive work and then something else would appear. Of course, the one question that you and I want him to answer <laughs> is... Will uh, he come on the podcast? Will he come on the podcast? <laughs> the, the other question is uh, the ballad of John and Yoko. Oh, yes. Who was Yoko present at that session? It's, it's yes, we think not. But it's inconceivable that she wasn't because she and John... That was the height of their... Yeah, they were inseparable. I know. Um, So if Mark is listening... Yes. (laughs) Or if Yoko is listening... uh, She might get in touch. She might get in touch. She can phone us, do we? We don't have a hotline, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, it's it's a great book. And I know there's certain things that are missing from it. I know people are kind of obsessed that the the Shea Stadium dubbing session is missing and it doesn't go into January 69 maybe well enough and all the rest. And there's a whole books about that kind of thing. But I still think it stands up. And... It's got a fantastic McCartney interview as a forward. As a forward, yes. Uh, like this fantastic like 12-page McCartney interview, which is, he kind of talks about things in a way, you know, he's, he's, he's more open than he has it's, been it's, maybe in other 1980s interviews. It's quite a relaxed uh, approach to the yeah. interview. Yeah. And he mentions his favourite song is You Know My Name, Look Up The Number, which I don't think stands <sighs> the test. I mean, I love that song. I don't think he still calls it his favourite Beatles song. No. Um, any other factual or research books that are on the... N- nearly ran list? Um, yeah, there's a book uh, called Some Fun Tonight. This is a bit of a specialist uh, 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 book. This is by a chap called Chuck Gunderson and it's really the backstage story of the American tours in 64, 66. It's two volumes. Um, it's, it, it, it's really a coffee table book. It's just got a wealth of information and just some amazing photographs. Uh, again, uh, not the book to rush out and buy. I think mm-hmm. it's a pretty hefty price tag on that now. Um, he self-published it, um, so it's pretty hard to get hold of. Um, the other one, which I suppose counts as a, a factual book, is um, You Never Give Me Your Money by oh, Pete, yes. Pete Doggett, which is really the story of the sort of financial relationships between the Beatles and, and Apple and, um, you know, particularly covers the split and the financial business issues around there. That's 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 an interesting aspect of, okay. of the story. And so let's move on to, say, books by the Beatles, because each of the four Beatles have in, released various different types of books by themselves. Um, is there one book with a Beatles name on the cover that is better than the rest? Um, yeah, I, I would go with uh, George Harrison's I Mean <laughs> Well, you would. Cause... I would. But I know that's not what you want me to say. Uh, what, what you want me to say is uh, Many Years From Now by Paul McCartney. Yes. Is it really by Paul McCartney? Uh, it's, well, it's Barry Miles and Paul McCartney. It's, it's the by, closest we'll get to a Paul I think biography, autobiography. I, I think it is. I think it is. It's, it's effectively an official biography. Yeah. Uh, I think it's based on interviews that Miles did. 
uh, with McCartney over a number of years. Barry Miles, sort of influential figure in the uh, late 60s, uh, swinging London underground scene. Um, I, I read that uh, Miles agreed to split the royalties. Okay. So Paul needs the money. Uh, <laughs> that Paul got 75% of the royalties. Uh, Miles got 25%. That's still an okay amount of royalties okay for a book that sold a lot of the time. That book was 97, wasn't it? It was 97. Uh, so again, you, you see that in perspective. You've had uh, anthology. Yes. Um, the interviews go back sort of pre-anthology, some of them. But this is really, I think, the start of the McCartney campaign mm. to, to re-establish himself as the cool Beatle. He was the, the national treasure. McCartney starts there. He, he's, he's really trying to counter that narrative, mm. uh, as I say, that started after Lennon's death, that Lennon was was the Beatles and the others were sort of sidemen to, to Lennon's genius. Yeah. Um, uh, this is really the start of that campaign. All of the focus of the book is is pretty much on the Beatles' years. Uh, he goes through virtually every song that, that you know, I wrote 10% of this, John wrote mm. 20% of that. That's slightly annoying after a while, but um, it, it is quite telling if you accept and if you recognise this is McCartney telling his version yes. of, of the story. Uh, and honestly, you know, Ringo hasn't really done an autobiography. John never lived to do anything... He did an awful lot of autobiographical work, but didn't yeah. actually do an autobiography. Uh, George's I Me Mine, I have to admit, is a book I have never read. And does it really count as an autobiography? It, well, he, he, he sort of does the same thing as McCartney in the Miles book, that he looks, he, you get all the lyrics, you get handwritten lyrics mm. published, and then he gives you little little bit about each song, where, where it was written, um, what it was about, what the context was. It was... Very exclusive edition published while George was still alive. Um, it's been exp- it's yeah. been it's been expanded since um, with additional lyrics. It's it's a beautiful thing if you if you, if you have the hardback reissue. Um, I think it probably does count as a, an autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um, Ringo has a couple of books, uh, most of which start off as limited edition signed by, by Genesis Publications. Yes. So- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Books of photographs. There's a, there's a very sort of charming book that he put out, put out called Postcards from the Boys. That, that if, is if a, you want, that's a lovely thing. Yeah. If you want to pick up a, a kind of paperback edition of that, um, where literally it, 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 he just is. It's reproductions of postcards that the other Beatles, that seemed to be quite a thing, that they all <laughs> sent him postcards from where, wherever they were. And he kept them all. Bless him. Um, and yeah, George's I Me Mind. John didn't like George's I Me Mind. 
the that that's yeah he didn't uh supposedly <laughs> supposedly well supposedly john took offense because he felt uh his influence or his contribution to george's uh work and career and uh had been downplayed and that he he railed about not being mentioned in the book now that that's not correct i mean if you read the book john gets mentioned paul mm-hmm. gets mentioned um this is basically a book about george's song so i don't know that jo- john particularly should have been mentioned any more than he was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's fairly accepted that, uh, particularly in the latter half of the career, John not interested in George's songs. You know, those are the songs that he wouldn't turn up to play on. Yeah. He complained that they were overly complex, um, you know, doesn't appear on a lot of George's songs. So I, I think that's maybe John being overly sensitive. It's The timing is unfortunate because this happened just before Lennon was killed. Yeah. So uh, there is this sort of rift that existed. Um, there are some rumours that they did meet after that, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think that's ever been verified. And there's a book that gets forgotten about, which is the Beatles anthology book. Yeah. Which is a, a, an odd beast. I mean, there's a lot of reading in that, but it's a, a book that's kind of physically hard to read. It's massive. Yeah. And it's got a very odd kind of photo layouts and all the rest. And it's 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 kind of difficult to read in a, in a linear fashion. But it is the only official Beatles book about the Beatles with their it, name on it. It is. I, I, mean, I have to say, I, I will hold my hand up and say, I'm not sure that I've actually managed to read that book. I from, certainly haven't from, read it from, from start, cover, no, cover, from cover, cover to cover. No, from cover to cover. It's, it's a, a coffee table book. You, yeah. you, you, you look at the photographs, you look at the... Uh, the little captions on the photograph, but it's not a book to read. Um, and it's slightly anodyne. It's slightly sanitized. Well, more than slightly sanitized. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a direct it's a direct uh, uh, companion piece to the anthology TV series. Yeah. OK, so let's move on to arcane Beatle books. I mean, I, I suppose it makes you wonder, you know, with all these books about the Beatles, what is left to be said? <laughs> what stories are left to be told? Well, I'm, I'm hoping that you and I are going to write a book after the podcast <laughs> about the podcast about the Beatles. We could write a book about Beatle podcasts. We could. Because we we, I believe we're not alone. Um, but uh, in terms of arcane books with your with your <laughs> Beatle librarian hat on, what kind of weird or wonderful things have you found? Well, it is, I think it is the case that anyone that met any of the Beatles at any point <laughs> uh, in the 60s or early 70s has written a book or is currently in the process of writing a book. So every, every member of the organisation... Yeah. Uh, you know, has has written a book. Um, the most arcane book <laughs> is one that I resisted buying for a number of years, and I I, I saw it, it was bargain. You price. couldn't say no. I couldn't you say just, no. I mean, and this this is a book called The Cutting Edge, and it's by a chap called <laughs> Leslie Cavendish, and his claim to fame is he cut Paul McCartney's hair. Wow. Uh, in the 60s. How many pages is this book? Oh, it's, 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 it's a couple of hundred pages. Right. Um, now, it's, 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 you know, it's a relative, you could read this book in an afternoon. It's a relatively easy read. <laughs> yes. But it's an, it is an interesting story. He was, he mm. was an apprentice in a, in a, hair, a hair salon. Jane Asher comes in. He, uh, the, the, the chap that normally did her hair wasn't there. So he, he is doing her hair. Uh, they get chatting and she says, perhaps you'd like to come and cut my boyfriend's hair. <laughs> And he suddenly realised, well, that would be Paul McCartney. So he ends up going to McCartney's house, cutting his hair. This becomes a regular <laughs> gig. He starts hanging out with McCartney. Oh, OK. Um, you know, he, he gets going to Apple parties and things like that. Um, Do we learn anything outside of the actual haircuts? Like no. it's not a chapter per haircut. No, or... we don't. We don't really learn anything. I mean, uh, the thing that surprised me is I was waiting for him to say, and I have all the hair. Right. That I cut no. in, in bags. But no. sadly, sadly not. But it, it, it's 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 an 
indication of the level of that the people level. will go to. Yeah, and and even more weirdly, people will buy these books. Yes, they obviously I, they obviously know their audience. They, they they know you well. You're telling me also about um, a more recent book, Riding So High, by uh, Joe Gooden. Joe Gooden. This is this was a great book because this is. Um, it's looking at the story from a slightly different angle. And uh, it's a story that, you know, you and I know very well. You know the chronology, you know the albums. This is actually looking at um, the it, the history of the drugs that the Beatles <laughs> were taking. So from Hamburg and the the kind of speed and, and, and uh, uh, that they were taking then to keep them on stage through pot at the time of uh, help onto LSD, uh, onto sort of cocaine, Lennon dabbling with heroin. It's actually a fascinating uh, book. And all the information is probably available in other books, but it's laid out in a way that, that sort of sheds new light on the story. And I think that that's really the, the, the thing about these arcane books mm. is, is you, you, you get a slightly different take. Um, you know, you think you know everything and then suddenly someone who is just there but was looking at it from a slightly different angle. Yes. Um, if you saw the good old Frida yes, uh, yeah. documentary, which is Frida Kelly, who was the fan club uh, secretary, which she did a film, I would like her to write the book. I yes. would like her, that. That's the book I would like to read, because suddenly you see it from a completely different angle. Yeah. Are there any other kind of people in the Beatles orbit who actually deserved to write a book? Are there any good books from from? Because I mean, Epstein never wrote a book. Neil Aspinall never wrote a book. Mal Evans never wrote a book, and they would have had things to say. Well, I know actually. I know there's a there's a sort of autobiography of Brian Epstein, but that doesn't really count. That doesn't really count. Um, the the book that I think was half written is the Mal Evans book. Oh right. So supposedly does that there, exist somewhere? There, supposedly there are, there is a manuscript, a sort of half uh, finished book um, that that he was working on at the time that he died, and it, it you know. It, his stories, I think, mm. would be fascinating. And, and I'm surprised that no one has taken the manuscript plus interviews that he gave and combined the two and produced a book. Yes. Um, so I'd like to I'd like to see that book. Um, the other person that hasn't written a book and will never write a oh, book yeah. is uh, Jane Asher. Yes. Uh, you know, Mark Lewison is saying that's the one person that he does not expect ever to get an interview with and he sort of said well I respect her for that so she's she's not spilling the inside information on her relationship with Paul but uh, I would say that would be a fascinating book yeah that's and uh, I mean fair play to her for never really yeah I going down so. that avenue I, I think, think that's, so that's the, the understandable uh, the other book I would say is the longest cocktail party Oh yes, I've read that. Richard yeah. Delilo, he, yep. he was the house hippie at Apple in the late sixties, um, and that's quite an insight into that organisation. Um, and two other books by Derek Taylor, <laughs> right? I'm just throwing these out. No, no, okay, just name um, every book you know. As time goes by, <laughs> yes. uh, which has just been uh, reissued in paperback, I would recommend that. And uh, if you ever find it in a secondhand shop, buy Fifty Years Adrift in an Open Neck Shirt" <laughs> by Derek Taylor, um, because that's signed by Derek Taylor and George Harrison. Oh, right, very good. It's funny, you know, you, you talk about people having these, you know, very kind of tangential, brief relationships running alongside the Beatles. I remember there was a thing I read in Mojo a few years ago. I think it was Rodney Slater from the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. And he was in their orbit during Magical Mystery mm. Tour. And he told this very small story that I just thought smoke, spoke volumes, which was he saw the Beatles getting their dry cleaning back and tearing the plastic off and throwing it on the floor. And he'd never seen anybody do that before, throwing plastic away <laughs> in this kind of post-war austerity era. And that's when he realised how big and famous they were when they threw their dry cleaning plastic in the trash. I was thought that was a nice small story. He, he, he should be able to expand that into he, a book. That's, there's a book there's a right book there, there in a that book right day. There. Um, we have, obviously, where there are books about the Beatles, there are books about the solo Beatles. And this is, <laughs> this is perhaps an even worse 
uh, <laughs> realm of books to try and navigate than the Beatle books because the Beatle story, I think, you know, probably one of the reasons there's so many books about the Beatles is that it plays like a fantastic narrative. That's what people love about it. It yep. has an arc. It has a beginning, a middle, an end. It is this kind of Dickensian group of characters and happenstances and things that happen that you almost wouldn't believe happen, particularly it's, when you read the Lewison book. It's the greatest story ever told. It's a fantastic story. And then you get into the solo years and everything's yeah, it's a bit of a mess. And where does this begin? And where does this end? It's the it's the slightly less interesting sequel. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but are there any solo books about solo Beatles that uh, you think are worth the effort? There, there, there is one book in particular that uh, came out just a few years ago uh, by Graham Thompson. Oh yeah, uh, behind the locked door, which is really uh, the biography of George Harrison, and I think that that I'm you know Team George. That's me. I know. Um, Although there's some things in that book. That would put you off, George it's, Harrison as a person. What I what that that's what I like about the book. Yeah. It it sort of traces uh, George's solo career. Uh, this kind of tension between he was sort of very spiritual, but at the same time he did quite like the cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's very so it, diplomatic. It, it's the uh, <laughs> it's the uh, tension between those two, and he brings that out fantastically well. Yeah. Um, so the, and again, Thompson writes. Superbly, mm. um, he's written other biographies. Uh, that's a book I would really recommend. That if you if you get through the Beatles uh, and you've read those books and you want a solo, George was the best Beatle. Start there. <laughs> well, I have to admit, I went to that book after I uh, read the massive two thousand page version of Lewison, and mm. uh, unfortunately. Uh, behind that locked door was the book I read next. And you kind of feel frustrated when you get 50 pages in and they're already back from Hamburg and yes. releasing albums. You're like, no, I need a good 2,000 pages on this. But yeah, overall, even because, you know, you look at George's career from afar and there seems to be years where nothing happens. And actually he fills in that space quite well. You don't kind of feel the gaps between late 70s yes. to late 80s quite as much as, and he, he does go into kind of the handmade films thing a bit and yeah. all that kind of spin as well. So yeah, it, that's a... That's a good uh, story to tell. Any, are there ones that you'd name for each Beatle or are there ones that... Yeah, well, I think I think um, for Lennon, yeah. uh, there's a two-volume Ray Coleman oh, yes. biography. It's it's an excellent book. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think if you can find the two-volume, there is a single condensed paperback mm-hmm. edition, but the two-volume... Uh, version is the one to go with. Uh, there's Howard, I'm not sure is it Sunes or Sounds, mm-hmm. how you pronounce it, Fab, oh, yeah. which is, I think, subtitled An Intimate Portrait of McCartney. That's interesting because it actually goes all the way up to the Heather Mills yeah. uh, divorce. It came out just after that, so there's a little bit of detail about that. Um, it's it's a it's a doorstop of a book, yeah. um, but it's it's a good book. And you kind of, I kind of feel there isn't really a decent McCartney biography, period. Yeah. I, I, I liked, uh, what was it, Man on the Run. Um, in the 70s. The, the, yeah. In the 70s. And certainly that covers up to the kind of the Wings Over America period. Mm. I, I kind of liked the, that styling. The author has just escaped my brain right now. Um, but uh, that's a super book. And there isn't really a Ringo biography of note. There isn't. There, there, there are a couple of sort of generic, mm. uh, you know, there's, there's one came out recently, I think, called With a Little Help from My Friends. But there's, you know, <laughs> R- R- Ring, Ring, Ringo, Ringo has always said he's not 
interested in writing a book because all anyone wants to talk about are those seven years, yeah, those eight years between there's, there's, Hamburg yeah. and, and no one really wants to talk about. Wait till he finds out we're not doing a Ringo podcast. Well, He'll we're be not livid. Doing, we're not doing a Ringo podcast. <laughs> you know, Ringo's movies that could be one. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess that kind of leads us on to books to avoid. And uh, while we're on the subject of McCartney biographies. Uh, let's just talk about Philip Norman's Paul McCartney biography, which to my mind is one of the worst things I've ever it, put it, my eyes on. It really is a terrible book. And, and I, I did warn you not to buy that. I've warned everyone not to buy it. But um, <laughs> I was bought it as a present twice. People think I'm easy to buy for. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really have a problem with Philip Norman uh, on so many levels. I, he, he was the author of Shout. Uh, yes. It was really that first biography. Very biased. Uh, it's a very opinionated book, very anti-McCartney. Uh, Harrison and Ringo barely get a, a look in. Um, uh, he, and he, that's the interesting thing on, on, on Philip Norman's McCartney biography is he spends the opening section of the book talking about how he gains McCartney's trust. Yeah. And how he wants to get to Paul. And, you know, he, he, he can't say that it's a, a sanctioned biography, but he's trying to play this card of... You know, this people is, think I hate Paul and I don't hate Paul. And Paul knows I don't hate Paul. Yeah, oh, but he really did. He, 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 he did hit Paul. Um, and, <laughs> and Paul's then, the best one. And Paul is <clears throat> the second best one. So yeah. uh, but he did hit Paul. He, he, he denigrates and reduces McCartney's involvement in Shout. Then he writes a biography of uh, Lennon, which, which perpetuates that. Yeah. He, he wrote obituaries for Lennon. He wrote obituaries for Harrison, which were quite scathing and, 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 and quite sarcastic. Then suddenly he seems to have this epiphany where he realizes, I think, you know, uh, McCartney, I could do a biography there. And mm. he, he starts, you know, revising his opinion. Um, so I don't like the opinionated aspect of it. There's something quite calculated about it. I also think he writes quite badly. Yes. Um, and there's it, errors. It, it's, and it's riddled. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, from the, mo you know, the, 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 the most, the fact that everyone knows about Woodstock is that Joni Mitchell wasn't there, but wrote a song despite mm -hmm. the fact she wasn't there. He, talks about Joni Mitchell appearing at Woodstock. Yeah. He, I think, refers to Denny Lane having been a member of ELO. Oh, God, right. Oh, no, no, sorry, the Incredible String Band, I think. Yeah. But, you know, ridiculous errors. Um, that, and the most interesting fact about the McCartney biography is there were 11 fact checkers. Really? Yeah. Well, the thing I found, I mean, it came out relatively recently and there's a massive chapter that goes into the the McCartney Mills divorce. Mm. And it feels that he's purely going into that in such an in-detailed way so because he, he can pull out the, um, you know, the court transcripts. And, yes. you know, he's sort of telling this very, very, this is very boring chapter about all the court stuff that goes on. You're like, oh. And like, he'll skip over, you know, half the 80s in about 10 pages yeah. and then spend about 50 pages on what happened in the divorce courts. And it's... it's no, it's, it, it's a book I would say recommend. And my, my recommendation would be avoid anything yeah, Philip Norman. Yeah, it's good. At, yeah, if you've got a wobbly table or a door that yeah, won't uh, yeah. uh, won't stay open, uh, then the Paul McCartney book is yeah. big enough to, to sort that out. Um, anything else on your avoid list at all counts? Um, well, there's the uh, the lives of John Lennon. Oh yes, the Goldman book. Yes, uh, which, which um, was a bit of a hatchet job. He, uh, Albert Goldman wrote about. Elvis, he wrote about Lennon. That's a book that I think bears only a passing acquaintance with. Have you truth. read? You've read that book, yeah? Because um, that's a book that I remember. That came out in '88, and I remember vividly. That was like a big cause celeb at the mm. time, and um, yeah, Scylla uh, Black didn't like it. <laughs> well, that was the. Uh, <laughs> I, I I I remember that there's that song on U2's Rattle and Hum, which they very um, you know politely call God Part Two. 
Yes. I know, I know, I know oh, you I'll, and you I'll, two I'll are take, the best of friends. I'll take your word for that. <laughs> but uh, which is literally a song, obviously, uh, in, in response to Lenin's God, where they take over uh, what they don't believe in and they don't believe in Albert Goldman and they don't believe in his book. And it was like, that was a big staunch it, thing it, that they it, needed to get out there. It was, but I think I think Goldman um, sort of traded on that. He knew this was going to be a controversial yeah. book. He knew that Yoko McCartney, he knew everyone was going to rail against this book. And I, I think I'm right in saying that he used the negative quotes mm. as a selling point for the paperback edition. So yeah. so that that was that was the selling point. And and it's kind of disappeared for a book that was quite famous at the time along with <laughs> Spycatcher yeah. and what else was yeah. around at the time. <laughs> uh, it's one of those books that kind of uh, it's a book. Uh, it is. It's a book. It's a book that's I think despised by by uh, Beatles fans. Yeah. Um, and I can hold my hand up and say I did not buy the book when it came out. I mm. bought it secondhand. So Goldman. So no got, money. He, no money went into the estate of Albert Goldman. Yeah. It's and it's interesting. And you know, when we're talking about books today, there's a couple of books that I think are forgotten about. Which, uh, you know, what's interesting is the Sgt. Pepper and the uh, Beatles re-releases from the last two years, they come with books that stand on their own two feet. They do. Which I think need a bit of a, a shout out in something like this if, if people are sitting on the fence about whether to buy those box sets or not. But if those books came out as standalone Beatles-sanctioned 30-quid books, yep. they would be an excellent buy. They, they are fantastic they, reads. You're giving Apple ideas now, I think. But, well, uh, well, it, it's we had John Lennon put out his Imagine book last year, and that's the kind of book that could have sat in a box set, but it was released as a standalone type yeah. thing. And uh, yeah, I think they are they are fantastic. The Imagine, the Imagine book is a good book. There's a lot in that as There's well. There's a lot in that as well. Fair enough. Um, so I think as a, a general overview, have we have we missed any any major players? Well, there's two books. Yep, uh, that don't like fit mention. into any of these categories. That don't fit probably. into any of these categories. Uh, there's one which is the uh, Rob Sheffield book. Oh yes, Dreaming the Beatles. Yes. I think you and I agree that's the best. We've piece. mentioned that on our yeah. introductory <laughs> podcast. Everyone should read that book while it, listening to this podcast. Yes, sort of Mike Nesmith style. It really is. It really is the most enjoyable book I've read in a long time about the Beatles. Yeah. You know, you, I, I, t- I tend to ply through these biographies, comparing one with the other. It, the, completely different take. Uh, I really recommend it. But actually, that, it's interesting because, you, you know, if you kind of look at 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties, up to today, you know, the different types of books that we kind of go from, you know, trashy biographies, then we kind of move into these very factual based books. Then people are kind of writing these kind of gospel like overviews of careers. Yeah. Now we now have the distance and now we're kind of moving into people just kind of, maybe it's a sign of the times writing about their feelings or their thoughts or their, you know, their tangential inspirations related to things like the Beatles. So Sheffield's yeah. book kind of touches upon that a little bit. I think so. It's, 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 a, it's a different style. It's a, yes. it's a different take. Um, the other book that I'd, I'd recommend is uh, Beatles 66 oh, yeah. uh, by Steve Turner. Yes, that's a super book. That is an amazing book yeah. uh, because eff- effectively what he's done is just simply take a um, roughly 12-month period. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I liked about that book is he quotes extensively from contemporary sources. So you've mm. got interviews and news reports and reviews because a lot of what you get inevitably is a sort of revisionism, whether it's, you know, I'm not really interested in hearing McCartney in 2019 talk about what happened in 1966 because he's got a story to tell, a narrative, an agenda to, to push. But actually looking at what happened contemporaneously in that year. Yes. The Turner book is a fantastic book and I would really recommend that. I hope he's working on 65, 67, yes. 68, um, but it is a fantastic book. It's a great book because it fuses that 
all of those kind of things, this kind of fact-based, narrative-based, timeline-based yeah. type storytelling. And as you say, he, he makes it very contemporaneous and, and plugs it into the time. And 66 is a, probably the best year to do because they change a lot. They record relatively little. Yeah. They've got lots of free time and space. And my favourite fact that I gained from Steve Turner's Beatles 66 book was that John, Paul, George and Ringo were the first four people in the UK to own video recorders that they were given video recorders in January 1966 as a Christmas 65 present from Brian Epstein. And they were late getting delivered. So they arrived in January 66 and they were all wired up in their house. So they were the first people in England who were able to record things off the television and um, play them back. So that's where McCartney recorded the Thunderbirds. Possibly. Did he? With, yeah, well, that's my theory. Was the yellow submarine in, oh, yeah. in Thunderbirds is the same yellow submarine that they all lived in. in uh, but it would have been black and white. You didn't think of that. It, well, I didn't think yeah, of that. I'm sorry. Oh, there you go. You've ruined everything. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, listen, I think this is a very deep well that we can come back to a lot in the future in relation to Beetle books, but hopefully this will give you uh, some ideas to go to your shelves or go to the shops. And um, we'll see you all next time. My name's Jason Carty. My name's Stephen Cockcroft. And this is Nothing Is Real. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thanks for listening to Nothing Is Real. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, why not become a member? You'll get access to ad-free content, bonus episodes, and so much more. Follow the link in the show notes, sign up on ACAST Plus, or visit our website, nothingisrealpod.com.